Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash fine. Visit IXL.com slash fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com slash fine. Cheers to a great day and this ice cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Or your grandma here with us, making carne asada. She does love a cold Corona. Throw in some dancing. Oh, we can watch the game. I'll drink to that. So a backyard concert with football, food, dancing, and Corona? And your grandma. Or we could keep it simple. Simple is good. Want a Corona? Thanks. Salute to the perfect day. Corona, la vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Hello and welcome to How to Be Fine. I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jolenta Greenberg. In each episode of How to Be Fine, we weigh in on what's happening in the world of happiness, health, and betterment, and we offer a bit of advice for those of you who want it. Now, full disclosure, we're not psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists, but we are experienced self-help critics. We've lived by the rules of nearly 100 self-help books for our other podcast, By the Book, so we've tried on almost every kind of wellness trend out there. And besides, we're not here promising to make you the best, richest, happiest version of yourself. Like, if all goes well, we're here to help you get a little closer to fine. Jolenta, we have a couple of great advice letters to get to later in the show. But first, as usual, let's kick things off with our hot topic. Oh, yeah. Today's hot topic is a doozy, Kristen. It is the crunchy to anti-vax pipeline. Ooh, I love a good pipeline. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A little disclaimer here. 
I care about this topic a lot because as by the book listeners know, I have lupus, which means I'm immunocompromised and I take immunosuppressants so I can get that lupus into remission. This also means that vaccinations are really important to me because they curb circulation of all sorts of things that I am more susceptible to even after I've been vaccinated myself. For example, I almost always get the flu every flu season, even after a flu shot. But if a lot of people around me get the flu shot and don't get the flu, then I don't get the flu. So I love vaccines. They help me stay alive and healthy. That is what we call herd immunity. And I heard what you said there, and I second everything, Jolenta. We got a herd herd (laughs) joke. Should have seen that coming a mile away, but I did not. I also have to say, I have a big place in my heart for crunchy parents. I grew up in Portland, Oregon in the late 80s, early 90s. My parents raised me vegetarian. We got everything organic. I didn't wear synthetic fibers. We were bringing our own reusable bags to the grocery store way before it was a thing. But there is a sort of seedy underbelly to the crunchy lifestyle, or at least now there is largely because of social media. Ah, there always is. Thank you, social media. Mm -hmm. But before we get to that, can we just clarify a little bit more what we mean by crunchy lifestyle? Are we talking about how you grew up? Are we talking about something different, Jolenta? In this case, we are not talking about my upbringing, which is the sort of hippie, crunchy, granola, food co-op, Portland-type stuff that that popped up in the 80s, you know? Mm -hmm. Today's Crunchy Parent is all about keeping everything hyper-natural and often to the point of homeschooling and making most things they use at home, like homemade toys, homemade zit creams, homemade homemade fruit roll-ups, homemade baby food, (laughs) homemade house cleaners, everything. And being crunchy also usually means you only want natural things to go in and on your body. No plastics. Red dye is shunned. Processed foods are laughable. Yes, I think we all know this modern version of crunchy lifestyle. It's like if the crunchy granolas that raised me got really type A about being crunchy. Yes, it's like type A crunchy on steroids, but they don't take steroids. No. We'll get to that in a bit. Never steroids. But but let's get to social media. How does that play into this? Okay, so for the past 20 years, people have been turning to online parenting groups for support and for community. And these groups can be amazing resources. But in recent years, because of isolation due to COVID-19, these communities have become even more important lifelines for people, especially because the information coming from public officials about COVID-19 and the COVID vaccine was so piecemeal and hard to understand. With all of this sort of confusion and reliance floating around in the air, crunchy influencers and communities where posters sort of sounded confident about health advice, started to provide what felt like more concrete information to crunchy parents. Mm, Yeah, I love how if it's delivered with confidence, (laughs) you can just say anything online as long as we sound like we're pompous about it. (laughs) As long as we sound authoritative, we can say any nonsense. But I mean, I, I also totally understand 
why people would fall for this. It's it's a confusing time we're talking about. It's still a confusing time. Totally. And like a lot of the messaging sounds really nice. It's about gut health, natural immunity, overall well-being, doing what works best for your family and like a deeper connection to nature. This stuff like sounds great. I am hopping on board as I just list these things. But then I remember there's the seedy underbelly. Yes. Let's get to that. So recently, researchers at George Washington University found that after the pandemic started, vaccine misinformation and alt-right conspiracy theories became much more prevalent in mainstream online parenting communities and especially crunchy communities. Mm -hmm. And basically, COVID-19-related work in school closures and abundance of parenting influencers, the growing number of online crunchy parenting groups, and the rise of QAnon all combined to make this like perfect storm of anti-vax propaganda that is just seeping into mainstream crunchy parenting culture. And the results are palpable in the real world. There are measles outbreaks and very low numbers of children getting fully vaccinated for COVID and now other diseases that like people used to be fine vaccinating their kids for. Oh, yeah. And there was already a little bit of this before because of certain celebrities like Jenny McCarthy, who, you know, said vaccines caused my child to have autism and so on. There was already some of that in the world before. Even back in my crunchy days, like in my crunchy preschool in 1989, there were a handful of families that didn't vaccinate their kids because they didn't want chemicals in their kids' bodies. But it's it's gotten bigger and more mainstream. Yes, exactly. This is a different era. We're talking about people being scared. We're talking about a pandemic. We're talking about isolation. We're talking about social media influencers. We're talking about the rise of the far right. So there are a lot more elements here than back when you were in school, Jolanta. Yeah, yeah. But even with all the circumstances being what they are now, are there certain red flags you think we should look out for when it comes to crunchy anti-vax propaganda? Ways that we know that, oh, this isn't just a parent trying to help me here or a neighbor trying to help me with information. First of all, look out for the word toxin. Now, I hate a toxin. Toxins sound (laughs) awful. But I can promise you, if you are on social media and you're hearing or reading the word toxin, you're almost always flirting with that anti-vax pipeline. Alt-right anti-vaxxers love the word toxin and they use it to lure in followers who just want the best, healthiest things for their families. So watch out for that word. I need to know, Jolenta, what is a toxin? So some toxins are ones you've heard of that suck, you know, lead, asbestos, even dioxins. That's sort of like the chemical byproduct from like different kinds of industrial combustion, like smelting and burning things. You know, these things are carcinogens. They cause cancer. They've been found to harm immune system function, reproductive system function, cause birth defects. They're bad. They should be avoided. Like, true. Some toxins are truly toxic. On the other hand, the antitoxin crowd is against helpful chemicals like chlorine, which, you know, when used properly helps prevent bacteria growth and virus growth in drinking water. Like we we like it. I love not having bacteria in my drinking water. Right. I love right. That. Like yeah, it's the so less giardia, the better. <laughs> yes. There's also fluoride, which helps prevent tooth decay. Fluoride's always been heavily debated in my home state of Oregon, like whether or not we're putting that in in water and such. 
And also vitamin D, which is added to milk and sometimes even orange juice in the U.S. that helps prevent malnutrition, which I find to be extra ironic because when you get pretty hard into like the anti-vax part of being toxin free, vitamin D is recommended instead of vaccines. Like just use vitamin D to stay healthy. That's all you need. Just take extra vitamin D. But like it's a toxin when it's an additive. And Kristen, even when you know the right words to look out for, like toxin, you can still get sucked in. I was recently sucked in by a borderline anti-vax crunchy (gasps) influencer. It's hard to spot. Yep. yep. No, Jolenta. Of course I fell for it. Like, you know me. (laughs) Oh, no. In my case, Kristen, it was a TikTok creator that I thought was just kind of funny. Not even that funny. Kind of funny. Really very crunchy. And this account started as this kind of corny, crunchy mom parody that's poking fun at all the effort and quirky ideas that go into being an extremely crunchy parent. The first video of hers that I came across on my For You page was this parody of a crunchy mom dealing with going to a birthday party with her kids. And it's her being like, I brought bananas that you can eat instead of cake because they're like (laughs) sweet. And like her trying to substitute the toys in the goodie bag for her kids with like a gnome she whittled from a twig. Like I thought it was funny enough for a follow. I think it's funny. Right? Like, it's we, funny. We, we, all, we all went to the movies with those kids whose mom would put a banana in their bag and we were Right, all right. It'd be like, we I brought my mom. own Air Pop popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I didn't really think anything of it until an anti-cult creator that I follow on TikTok who goes by I'm Leveling Up started talking about the crunchy to alt-right pipeline. And uh, I'll link to her videos in the show notes. But I'm leveling up or Laura says that she was tagged in a lot of really very crunchy videos because she has talked about sort of leaving a crunchy cult. And she said she thinks really very crunchy videos aren't as much parody as we think they are. And to sort of look out for the dog whistles. And Kristen, she was right. No, she was right. Really? Right after that video went up, Really Very Crunchy got super defensive and responded to Laura with a video saying, like, that simply calling out the Crunchy to anti-vax pipeline is dangerous and, like, we shouldn't do that. You know, sort of reeked of the classic, like, it's discrimination to call out discrimination. That's dangerous type, like, bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) Then she assures followers that while she's Crunchy in real life, this is just a parody account poking fun at the lifestyle But then in the same video, she makes a ton of dog whistly, rugged individualism comments Mm -hmm. about like what's best for you and your business and your individual health. And then alludes to Laura, I'm leveling up, having trauma in her past to sort of discredit her point of view. And (gasps) then Kristen, then I shit you not, after all this, still in the same video, she announces her deal for a book that's all about how to remove toxins from your life. Toxins. Toxins. Oh, my God. Of course it comes back to toxins. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, everybody. I pounded my desk as I said that because, of course, it came back to toxins. Right. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) This is not a parody. Yeah, she outs herself as not a parody in a video where she's, like, defending her status as a parody. Oh, and since then, Really Very Crunchy has put out, like, a music video that sort of loosely questions uh, if the government is lying when it says things like vaccines are safe and effective. <gasps> no! And And she was just profiled in the super conservative, sometimes misinformation-spreading publication, The Federalist. 
Oh, she's taking sides here. So she is like now aligning herself with the alt-right. And like, I can promise you none of the crunchy granola moms I grew up with would have been okay being profiled in the Federalist. No, absolutely not. So keep an eye out because you never know when you'll be exposed to this propaganda, basically. And like, try to remember that while personal freedoms are great, vaccines are super effective and electing to get them makes life livable for people who have less personal freedom due to like faulty immune systems. And I just have to add that the National Institute of Health has put out a statement saying that only vaccines and medications can prevent COVID and treat its symptoms. So please get vaccinated. And remember that even though influencers are often more entertaining than doctors or the whole medical establishment, they are usually far less credentialed. And at the end of the day, you're seeing their content because they see you as a consumer and want to make money off of their ideology. Ugh, Jolenta, that was quite the ride you just took us on there. The crunchy to anti-vax pipeline, the influencers, the fact that there are real government guidelines to follow, that some people don't want us to follow those guidelines. I really appreciate all your research on this. And reminder, all of our episodes have our research links in the show notes. So listeners, if you want to read more on all of that, check those out. All right. We are going to take a quick break, but we want to hear your thoughts. Uh, What are your thoughts on the crunchy to anti-vax pipeline? Do you hate toxins? Write to us (laughs) at kristenangelenta at gmail.com or weigh in at our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash kristenangelenta. You can also write to us there if you want to seek advice. Speaking of which, coming up, we hear from a letter writer who recently suffered a loss. We are back with our first letter of the day. Jolenta, what do they have to say? This letter touched my heart. Our letter writer says, Dear Kristen and Jolenta, Last week, I lost my beloved kitty of 13 years. For all this time, it's just been the two of us moving across four countries. I knew it would be tough, but had not anticipated how incredibly hard the grief would hit. There are moments in the day when I manage well, but when I'm alone at home, the sadness sometimes feels unbearable. I didn't opt for any urns or remains as I can't move internationally with them, and I found out recently that I'll be moving again in the next 12 months. Are there any resources you found that have helped you or any reflections on how long it took to start feeling normal when something like this happens? And I know grief lasts differently for different people. Oh, letter writer, I am so sorry to hear you're going through this. It is heartbreaking to lose a pet. I have lost pets. I know that many of our listeners have lost pets that they feel your pain right now. Yes. And in some cases, people's pets are like children. They're like best friends. They have been with them longer than any partner or any friend in some cases. And this sounds like a very long loyal relationship. 13 years. Wow. That's longer than I've been with Dean. It's a long time. I'm also very sorry for your loss, letter writer. I mean, pets are our companions, our confidants, our roommates that poop outside. 
or in boxes. <laughs> <laughs> and their loss is just so palpable around the house. Like that, I know that feeling of sadness when it just sort of sweeps over you and you're like, I'm alone in my house. First, I just want to say you definitely don't need remains in order to grieve your pet or like remember your pet. I have a beloved family dog that lived to 15 who died like eight years ago, um, who I'm still missing. And on my keychain, I have the tag that was on his collar. And just seeing it like shine for a second in the sun when I unlock my front door makes me like smile and think of him and how he used to love laying in the sun like a kitty, actually. Also, I talk out loud to him. You do not need remains for that. I just do it as though he is still in the room. I do it when I'm trying to make decisions or at night when I really miss him. And it does help. Also, I want to add that grief doesn't go away, but it like does change and grow with you. And you learn to sort of live with it and cope with it in ways that that feel less sort of like devastating and that stop you less in your tracks. And one of the ways that has helped me, which does feel counterintuitive, is starting to look forward. You don't have to like be searching for a new pet or get one the next day, but maybe daydreaming about what kind of pet you could get after you move. Not to replace your beloved cat, but just to keep you company in a new way, in a new place. Maybe you do hop on Pet Finder and put in the location of where you'll be moving just to see some of the amazing, sweet little baby faces out there that could maybe use some of the love and care that you clearly have to give. And you can look forward and think of all the lessons that you've learned from your cat that you want to use with a new pet, perhaps. And that helps sort of honor and remember your cat in a way that helps propel you forward a little bit. Uh, Jolenta, that is all such great advice. I especially love the keychain because I think having little mementos of those we love, human or animal, mm -hmm. can be such a comfort. And and I'm not saying like, oh, super expensive things or, you know, anything like that. But just little mementos, like this is something that my animal companion used to wear every single day. And now I wear it on my keychain. It can be a nice reminder of them. I also wanted to add the pet portrait thing. You have a pet portrait. I do. <laughs> it's behind me. I, I know lots of people who have pet portraits in their home. I have a friend who has a part-time job just doing pet portraits. She's an artist who makes beautiful pet portraits for people, oftentimes pets that have died. And she tries to bring their personality to life. She interviews each person before she makes the painting and asks, mm -hmm. what did you love most about your pet? I'm going to try and bring some of that to this painting. And what do you most want to remember? So sometimes just sitting with a pet portraiture artist and having that conversation can be really therapeutic. And um, it doesn't have to be a pet portrait artist. There are other people who can do that with you too. You can talk to a therapist. You can talk to people in support groups because there are support groups for people who've lost their pets. There absolutely are. Oh, totally. And so you don't have to be alone in this. So I would say... Feel free to talk openly about that grief. Commiserate with other people who are going through the same thing. Maybe memorialize your pet through art and through conversations about your pet. And then maybe also just create a little photo album. I'm guessing if you're like most humans, you have <laughs> roughly 50 to 100,000 photos on your phone right now of your pet. Maybe you can print out a few of those and put them in a flip book 
or my mother-in-law has one of those rotating photo frames. It's like a digital photo frame and it just rotates pictures oh my of, gosh. of her pets or her grandkids or whatnot. That's so sweet. And I think that can be a really nice thing to just have a little visual reminder and Every day you look at that photo frame and, oh, look who's in the frame now. Uh, it's my little friend when I first adopted it. Yeah, it's Kitty's greatest hits. Yes, all of that stuff. So having little ways to memorialize your pet, but you don't have to forget the pet. You don't have to pretend you're not in pain right now. As it's been said many times, grief is the price we pay for love. And that doesn't just apply to people we've loved. Anybody who's being dismissive of you right now and saying, oh, it's just a cat, don't listen to those people. If you need to distance yourself from those people for a little bit, I'm guessing anybody who loves you is not saying that to you because right. people who love you shouldn't say that stuff. So hopefully everyone's supporting you right now and letting you feel what you need to feel. Oh, one last thing I wanted to suggest also. If you can afford to make a donation to a cause like the ASPCA or an animal shelter or something and have the donation in your pet's name, and they'll usually mail you a certificate or something. And that way, there'll be something good happening in your pet's memory, too. Oh, that's really sweet. We hope this helps a little bit. And again, we are so sorry for your loss. Yes. We're sending our condolences to you and lots of hugs and hoping that eventually you'll feel fine. You don't have to feel great. Just fine. Just fine. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break before we do don't forget to rate us and review us. If you like what you're hearing, look down wherever you're listening, hit five stars, write a little ditty about the show. It helps people find the show. Coming up, we hear from a letter writer who's facing a sobering situation. Stay with us. All right, we are back with our second letter of the day. Kristen, would you read this one, please? I would love to. Our second letter writer says, Dear Kristen and Jolenta, I am attending my childhood best friend's bachelorette party in a few weeks. It is a two-night getaway at a lake house. I am very excited, except that this will be an alcohol-fueled weekend, and I do not drink. I have an alcohol intolerance, so even after just one drink, my body feels like shit. I get congested. My entire chest and face flush red. There's nausea, among many other little annoying things. So for that, I just don't drink. I do live in a recreational marijuana state, though, and indulge in that quite a bit. I am looking for advice for how to deflect when people pester me about drinking. I will have stuff for me to smoke, eat, so it's not like I'm going to be sober, but I just have anxiety surrounding the pressure to drink. What would you do slash say in this situation? Most of the women who will be there know I am not a drinker, but when people get drunk, they can get annoying about it. Yes, they can. <laughs> Dear letter writer, I relate. I'm in a similar-ish situation where the lupus medication I take gives me a similar reaction to alcohol as you, letter writer. It makes my body freak out. It doesn't like it. So I basically can't drink on this medication I'm on. And I kind of don't miss drinking that much either. So I'm not doing it at all. Haven't for years at this point. An easy way to deflect. Uh, you mentioned that you have stuff to smoke slash eat. I have found as someone who also indulges in uh, stuff to smoke and eat that saying something like, 
I'm too high to be drinking right now. Usually deflects in a fun way, (laughs) even if you're not too high. It reminds people like, oh, we aren't being judged by someone who is not in an altered state. Like she's doing her own thing. I have found that usually gets people off my back if they're giving me a hard time about not drinking, especially if that person's tipsy. It's usually enough to make them sort of laugh it off. Also, I recommend sort of bringing mocktails or like having a signature drink that makes it easier for people who are partying to handle the fact that you're not drinking. Sometimes like I'll announce it. I'll be like, Shirley Temples are my champagne this weekend or like all these Diet Cokes like are my top shelf liquor. So I expect it to be flowing and people laugh and like get sort of into it, you know. So if you let them in and make it just the same as as drinking alcohol, the same excitement, the same hype. People tend to give you less shit. Well, Jolenta, this is also understanding and helpful. And I'm not going to be understanding and helpful with my advice, though. Uh-oh. I'm not going to. Oh, shit. I'm going to be a little bit of a Judge Judy here. And I'm going <gasps> to say these friends suck if they're giving you a hard time. Anybody who is old enough to get married is old enough to not interrogate others if they choose not to drink, whether they're choosing not to drink for health reasons, whether they're choosing not to because it upsets their sleep, whether it's because they just don't like the taste of alcohol, whatever the reason is, who is old enough to get married who still talks to their friends like this? Like, come on, drink, 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 drink. Like, who does that? Jolenta, you and I would never do that. You do not watch Southern Charm, my friend. (laughs) Oh my God. Who does this? If you're in a frat house, maybe, but any grown ass women who are old enough to afford to go to a lake house bachelorette party who are old enough to get married, you guys are going to talk to each other this way? No. So the reason I'm saying this is not just to judge your friend's letter writer, but to (laughs) maybe get you in the mindset that they are not going to. And if they do, that's on them and they're being idiots. Right. Okay. So just remember, if they're asking you these questions, they're not judging you. They're being self-conscious because they don't want to drink alone or like. Right. They feel judged. Someone's not drinking, which is totally on them. Yeah, which is totally on them. It's not about you. That's on them. And you don't have to give them a reason or an excuse. You don't have to. You can just say, no, thanks. I don't drink. Or if you really do want to give them a reason, you can say, yeah, alcohol makes me sick because you just gave us a long list of ways alcohol makes you sick here. Yeah, it makes you very sick. Yeah. And if alcohol makes you sick, that's more than a good enough reason. But you don't have to give anybody a reason if you don't want to. If you feel like giving a reason, you have a perfectly valid one. If you don't want to, you don't have to give a reason. I would just second what Jolenta says about bringing your own beverages. I have a whole fridge full of non-alcoholic cocktails, beers, and so on in my house because they have come a long way in the last few years. They have, yeah. Yeah, I have (laughs) something called a phony Negroni. It tastes just like a Negroni. Oh, I gotta get that. But it's non-alcoholic. It is delicious. I'm bringing one to your house soon, Jolenta. I have a couple in the fridge now. It's like we have some non-alcoholic beer laying around, but like, and it does taste very good, like, like a proper beer, but every once in a while, you know. Oh, yeah. I have that. I have ginger cocktails. I have non-alcoholic Guinness in the house. I have non-alcoholic IPAs. They've come such a long way from the Mm. old days where there was just one non-alcoholic beer and we all knew the brand name. But now there have been such advances that they just taste like a regular cocktail, but they're de-alcoholized. So 
there is liquor, there is wine, where it's made in exactly the same vineyard or the same factory or distillery, and they just take out the alcohol at the end before they put it in the bottle. So mm. there are so many choices now, and so many of them really legit taste like, oh, am I actually drinking a Manhattan? Oh, no, I'm not. It's just non-alcoholic, but it tastes like a Manhattan. So if you want to bring some of those along too, um, if you want to drink out of a tall boy as well as you know everyone else is drinking out of a tall boy, whatever it is, you can bring those along and they can just be fun. They can be a fun experiment for you to try new beverages if you want to. Very true. And lastly, letter writer, I just want to say, I hope that you're writing to us about like your worst case scenario anxiety. Yes. Because I have a feeling people will give you less shit than you expect. I've dealt with that this anxiety as someone who has like stopped drinking, you know, in recent years, going to a friend's birthday party, being like, oh, well, everyone noticed like when it comes to my order and like everyone's just talking to other people when you order and like no one's really looking when you're pouring yourself a drink and no one really cares unless someone's like too drunk and then they're like, how much did they drink? You know what I mean? <laughs> That's when people start asking usually. So I'd like to thank your just writing to us because you're worried about a worst case scenario or this is an anxiety gnawing at you and hopefully we can alleviate that and hopefully this will not be the case at all. Yeah, I, I really hope it's not the case. I hope that they're not the hosers that I originally reacted with vitriol toward. I hope they are not going to be that way at all. If they're like most people, they're not thinking about you. As my Nana no. said, most people aren't thinking about you and that's a good thing. Very true. Beautiful parting words from Kristen's <laughs> Nana. Thanks, Nana. And that's it for this episode of How to Be Fine. Please follow us on Instagram at How to Be Fine Pod. We're also at K10 Mindser and Jolenta underscore G. Huge thanks, as always, to our amazing production team at Stitcher. We have the amazing Chantel Holder. We have the fantastic Nora Ritchie. We have the musical Casey Holford. Until next time, I'm Jolanta Greenberg. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week. Until then, be fine. Bye. Stitcher.